Can you hear me now? There we go. You know, I've learned something in this last half hour. You're a tough crowd. It's a joy to be with you today to share but a brief time on the journey with you. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty Lord, we invoke the Holy Spirit this morning to open our minds and our hearts to hear your scripture and accept your message. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Um, I normally follow the revised common uh, lectionary uh, for my material, for my sermons. If you're not familiar with it, it provides each week an Old Testament reading, a psalm reading, an epistle reading, and a gospel reading. And sometimes it throws in a proverb uh, or two. So that is what I'm going to do. I'm using the uh, lectionary readings from last week. We're going to hear from the book of Job and from the, the uh, gospel according to Mark. Hear these words from Job. Then Job answered and said, Today also my complaint is bitter. My hand is heavy on account of my groaning. All what I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he would pay attention to me. There an upright man could argue with him and I would be acquitted forever before my judge. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Yet I am not silenced because of the darkness, nor because thick darkness covers my face. From the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt down before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, 
Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house, brothers, or sisters, or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters, mothers and children and land and persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. This is the word for all people. You heard a common thread in the scripture readings this morning. We heard about things being taken away and a command to give things away. It was the story of two wealthy men, Job and a man who's not named. We know Job was rich because at the beginning of the book of Job, we are told that he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all people of the East. Now we're all familiar with the story of Job. When you think of Job, what do you think of? Patience? Patience of Job. Now one day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Now, a sort of trial ensues. Satan insists that Job is only faithful to God because God protected him and gave all his wealth. This is turning into a trial. Satan is going to be the prosecutor. God is going to be the judge, and Job is going to be the chief witness. Do we feel sometimes that Satan is putting us on trial? That Satan is judging us? Checking on how firm our faith is. We live in a very anxious time. There is so much division right now. Division in families, division in our country, division in our churches. Might this not be Satan testing the faith of families, the faith of nations, the faith of churches? Satan tried time and again to break Job's faith. One day, while Job's oxen, remember he had 500 yokes of oxen, were plowing, and the donkeys, all 500 of them, were grazing nearby. Inhabitants of Saba came and stole them and killed all the servants 
save the one that was left to deliver the message to Job. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up your sheep, 7,000 of them, and your servants. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your 3,000 camels and made off with them and put all of your servants to the sword. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. All but his life had now been taken from Job. Now the second man we heard in our gospel reading is not named. He came to Christ and asked him what he must do to inherit eternal life. Christ listed the commandments, and this man insisted that he had lived by them all his life. Then Christ said to the man that he lacked one thing, Go, sell all you have, and give it to the poor. Could this man have been unnamed so we can insert our names into that story? Would you do what Christ told this man to do? If you felt God was calling you to do this, would you sell all you have and give it to those in need? You know, Christ and his disciples were the first socialists. And the church under the apostles were socialists. You see, Christ and his disciples had one purse carried by Judas. And when any of them had a need, the funds would be taken from that common purse the earlier followers would bring to the apostles their goods, their monies, so that all may be satisfied and none would be left out. Now, you might want to argue the point based on what we know of socialism today because the socialism of Christ was different. Christ's socialism was one of compassion, of care, of love. There was no greed. There was no dishonesty. There was no getting ahead of your neighbor. We can't say that about socialism as it exists today. So, did the young man go and sell everything he had? We know he left disturbed and sad. We don't know if he sold everything. He very well may have gone out and sold everything and given the proceeds to the poor, then followed Christ. Or he could have gone away confused and brokenhearted. After living a life he thought was righteous, now he may not enter the kingdom of God. We've heard about two rich men, one that had everything taken from him, but because of his faith, we all know it was restored. And another one, well, again, we don't know if he followed the commands of Christ or not. Perhaps this story ends this way to make us think. Are we doing all we can to help the poor? Are we doing all we can to end racism and hate in this country? Are we holding on to some things that could easily be taken away from us? As a local pastor, I'm required to take 20 classes down at the seminary 
I'm on my 16th one right now. And the book I'm currently reading talks about how the church has gotten away from truly invoking the Holy Spirit in times of distress and anxiety. Where do we turn? Too many times we turn inward, thinking we can handle it all ourselves. When you are anxious, when you are troubled, when you are confused, invoke the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct each and every life in this room. And as Job was restored, so too will you be restored to a place of calm, a place of peace, a place in the presence of God. If you received a command from God to sell all you have and give it to those in need, how would you be judged? How do you want to be judged? The 25th chapter of Matthew tells us how we would be judged. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will set on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as his shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Apparently the goats did not sell and give and care for his brothers and sisters. Throughout the book of Job, Job asks a lot of why questions. Why was I born? Why do you not pardon my offenses? There is one why question that Job does not ask. Why is this happening to me? Out of faith, he has accepted his situation. This, however, is a question most people frequently ask when they have trouble reconciling God's goodness with suffering and the experiences of this world that question that one word, why? Adam Hamilton, one of the most prolific writers in the United Methodist denomination, wrote a book called Why? He said there are three foundational ideas that must be considered when we think about why. First is that God has given human beings dominion over the planet. That is, God has placed the human race in charge of God's planet, making us responsible for what happens here. The second foundational idea is that what makes us human is our ability to choose between good and evil. 
the, that ability truly is a gift from God. The third foundational idea is that we humans struggle with our freedom. We find that we have an innate tendency to be drawn toward the things that are not God's will. We often say when bad things happen that that's God's plan. Well, I disagree. Because God's plan is not to have this pandemic ravaging the world. God's plan is not for there to be school shootings. I believe the plan that God has for our lives is not so much a full manuscript, but an outline for a story that God hopes we will choose to follow, filling in the outline with God each day. When we're passing through those awful chapters in difficult seasons, we sometimes cannot see God. But when we look back over our lives in hindsight, we see how God moved the plot forward, enfolding it into a story of God's redemption in each of our lives. God can and will transform our pain, redeem our suffering, and lift us up out of the darkest pit. And that is done through hope. It is not hope that evil will not have its way for a time. It is hope that God is with us all the time. It is hope that God works through to help others and others to help us. It is hope that God redeems suffering and forces evil to accomplish good. And ultimately, it is hope that the day will come when there will be a new Jerusalem where God will ultimately triumph. It is our hope. It is our faith that sustains us and lifts us up. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit that walks with us daily will show us those things that we're holding on to that we need to let go of. Will show us those things that we need to do to further your kingdom. And we pray, Lord, that when we are disobedient, it is the Holy Spirit that can correct us. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.